Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes, industry legends, experts, and mountain lovers from all walks of life. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear, presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Hey everybody, welcome to Long Underwear and welcome to season five. So happy you're here. This is fun. And for my first episode of the new season, um, I have a very exciting guest, Nick Russell. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes. Excited to be here. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess if you're the first like episode of the season, maybe you have to like deal with a few cobwebs, but I feel like... First ep post-COVID? First ep post-COVID. current well, covid we did we did a couple like mid COVID episodes, so we're back in person. Uh-huh. We're six feet apart. Yep, yep, it's good. It's nice to do the podcast in person again. It's definitely my preferred method. Totally, you don't have the phone static and chatter and the like all talking that. over each other. And... Yeah, totally. <laughs> we're having a conversation. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've gotten used to the whole Zoom thing at this point, though. Right, I have two, except probably, you know, three out of every five. My phone or computer dies and mid-call. Well, we, do, we have like mountain internet here in Truckee, so yeah. <laughs> it just, I feel like it just quits sometimes. Yeah. The, what it, when it really makes me angry, though, is when it quits when I'm in the middle of my Peloton ride, and then I lose all my stats. You need the stats. Ugh, I need my stats. How are you going to know? I, don't, I can't know if I don't have my stats, you mm-hmm. know? Ugh, so frustrating. Um, <laughs> anyways, so obviously we're supposed to not talk about skiing or snowing, but first we're going to talk a little bit. And this year you're going to be in the new Warren Miller fu- film, Future Retro, um, from, with a segment from Antarctica, which is so cool. It's, it's your first Warren Miller film? First Warren Miller film, first time in Antarctica. Uh, it was incredible. I bet. It was just a full dream trip. Yeah. That, you know, looking back on it now, it, it doesn't even seem like something that we did. And then every once in a while, I'll kind of scroll through my phone or whatever, or a photo will pop up and it'll remind me of just how bizarre of an experience the whole thing was. Yeah. I have a funny story, actually. Todd and I were supposed to go on that trip. Right. Like, maybe. And then, like, you guys, you, Danny, and Elena got to go instead. So, jealous. I'm Extreme sorry. jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to go to Antarctica for someday. I mean, it's. You should go someday. Yeah. Everyone should go someday. It's unreal. Words don't do it justice. How are your crossings? Um, on the way there, it was, you know, I think compared to what it could have been, it was relatively civil, but I haven't spent much time on the water or on a boat before. So I definitely felt the effects. I didn't throw up, but, um, you know, I was kind of hunkered down in my room there for that day and a half. And I remember Danny, He's such an asshole. He like come. I was like, had been sleeping for hours and middle of the day, you know. And he comes in all sweaty, and he's like, "Hey, you know, there's a gym on the boat." <laughs> just gets done with a workout, and it, it you like are dying. I'm just dying, you know, like trying to keep one eye open without throwing up. I have like one foot on the ground, and oh man, yeah, that's funny. I have no idea how it would affect me. I've never spent like any time at sea, and I've heard uh, it seems like it can go either way. It can be totally pleasant or. Totally. And they put little uh, barf bags out, like 
every 10 feet on the boat, yeah. um, like out front of everyone's door and, and, and all the halls. And some people had a rougher time than others, yeah. but uh, overall, I think I fared pretty well. But it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. And the skiing was just, you were touring and... Yep, touring and riding. and you're kind of just way out of your element, you know, it's early November, late October, and so hadn't really been riding much anyways, and then you have however many days of travel to get down there, um, and you get off the boat into this Zodiac, and I remember most of the days it was pretty calm, but sometimes it would be a little choppy, and so that's one thing, and then you're trying to balance on this Zodiac to get up onto the glacier and then you're standing on this floating chunk of ice and there's a colony of penguins right next to you and like I remember bending over to put my bindings on and just got like the craziest craziest vertigo from one being on the boat for three days four days however long it was and then also just kind of looking around in this wild wild landscape yeah. That uh, and, and too, looking around, like the glaciers there are so open and exposed and very intimidating place to go riding. Yeah, but beautiful. I don't, I'm just, yeah. I want to. I'm excited to see the segment. Yeah, me awesome. too. Yeah, it's <laughs> fun to get you in the Warren Miller flick. Um, I guess kind of like just just before we get into the no S word part of the podcast. You know, last winter was so weird. We all got just like we were just talking before we started recording about how we got like totally ripcorded out of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me personally, like looking ahead into winter, it feels like different in some way. Like I feel like I, have, I haven't like participated in winter in so long. So like, what are you ex like looking forward to the most like this winter? I mean, knowing that it's obviously going to be different and maybe a little weird. Totally. I, I keep saying it every day, this has been the longest summer of my life. And not just in the sense of not being on snow, but just mentally, you know, with everything else that's going on, it's, it's just we're in that Indian summer phase maybe right now. We're just kind of trending towards it. And I'm so excited to see the leaves changing and it's crisp in the mornings. We're wearing belay puffies early in the shade when we're climbing. And I'm just excited for the, you know, when we have at least a little bit of snow to go touring and mm -hmm. when the chairlift starts spinning. But I'm really excited to stay home and get into some of these deeper nooks and crannies of the range here in the Sierra. I just saw in your bathroom, you got that <laughs> east side panorama yeah. photo that I have the same thing, like right above my bed and look at it every night. Yeah. And there's just so much terrain, so much unexplored, literally within a couple hours of where we live that, you know, being home is always plan a for me so yeah. i mean that's you i feel like have explored the sierra more than most of like the pro athletes that live here like i feel i actually we took your guidance and we skied something late late this spring once like things had opened back up that you down like, south yeah what was it it was behind um virginia lakes we got your beta and like you're Excelsior. like it's mellow yeah 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 <laughs> and i thought it was like gonna be mellow which in fairness <laughs> every time i say this todd's like well we st we st stayed on Nick's time. Like we weren't slower than him, but just for some reason in my mind, like I'm like, oh, we're going to have like this casual day. And like every time we got to the top of like a peak, there was like all these like mountains we like still had to climb up to like yeah, get yeah. to it. And I was like, oh, it serves me right for like... It's big country. Yeah. But I guess right. maybe your mellow is different than mine. And we did stay on your yeah. time. We got there in three hours. But I remember just being like, 
we're not going all the way over there. <laughs> yeah, we call that Sierra Strong. Of, yeah. You know, it's the the physical strength, obviously, for whatever bigger days in big country, but then you also have to change your mindset Yeah. of, you know, going over several passes or whatever. To oh, and get then you to have to come back up a bunch to get home, too. There's... Totally. But that tour kind of lays itself for a lot of downhill action on the way out. It was. It was more downhill. It was just we had a, cr- a crummy boot pack up that one little uh-huh. hole yep. that was kind of like shaly. And... But there are the uphill both way tours. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and you get done and then you have an hour of walking to it, get back to your car. It was awesome. We actually, and it was good too, for for a late spring mission, we had boots on from the car and back to the car. And we only had to like... Anytime you can do that down on the east side, it's... There I mean, was like 10 minutes of ski boot bushwhack, so yeah. that's not bad. Yeah. But, well, maybe, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel the same about this winter. Like, I'm, you know, usually I have all these plans and I want to go all these places. And now it's like, nope, I want to be here and home and yeah. ski squaw and you know, tour here, go down south. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot just right here, mm-hmm. like yeah. 20 minutes from our door. I mean, Nevada is holding the most mountain ranges in any state. Yeah. And then, I mean, so much Idaho, Montana, Wyoming that not too many people see. So Agreed. It's funny. It's different. It's a different mindset, but it does, it does feel like, yeah, the summer, the summer of forever. But, uh, okay. Let's not talk about snowboarding or skiing anymore. It, we call it the S word, both words. Can't say them. Oh, man. If you say them, you owe me something. I don't know what it is, but... Um, That's going to be tough. Yeah, just don't say it. It's, it's the challenge. When you told me that, I, I was thinking, that's going to be pretty hard because pretty much everything that I do in my life revolves around uh, the S word. Yeah. You know, and like every major life decision that I've made and sacrifice and whatnot all goes towards that end goal but that's uh, i'll try i'll try my best that's kind of why i came up with this concept when you know a long time ago warren miller and myself you know the team we're talking about doing a podcast is like i i'm the same way right and it's i think it's really difficult for me to have a conversation where i don't somehow end up talking about the s word Mm -hmm. so i took it on as like it's kind of like a challenge like it's a challenge for me too Mm -hmm. and i think that there's just i mean I know you as a person has so much depth and I feel that way about our whole community that like it's a fun challenge, but then we get to just like try something else. Let's try it out. Okay, here we go. No S word. All right. You hear that? That's the sound of a cold Sierra Nevada beer that was delivered right to your door. <sighs> Learn more at SierraNevada.com. Please drink responsibly. This podcast is made possible by Warren Miller's 71st film, Future Retro, streaming virtually this November. You can't look toward the future without taking a look back at the past. Future Retro will be that connection, past, present, and future. Travel to Antarctica, Montana, Iceland, Switzerland, Alaska, Vermont, and beyond. Join this collective experience, complete with a virtual red carpet, athlete appearances, behind-the-scenes interviews, and vintage throwbacks. Tune into Warren Miller's Future Retro from anywhere. Go to warrenmiller.com to learn more. Okay, so we're going to go back to Antarctica, but we're going to try to avoid the S word. And so I just want to know, I mean, you are so engaged with POW. We've done a lot together, Mm -hmm. volunteering for Protect Our Winners and speaking up about climate change and all these different things. And like, I feel like going to Antarctica, which feels like kind of one of the places where I would call the front lines, like, what did you see? Like, how did that influence like your drive towards like working more with POW or like did you with your guides or anything like talk about kind of 
climate change is happening down there and what they're seeing. I mean, yeah, the effects are undeniable down there of even if having never been down there of looking at these gaping holes and these crevasses and seeing icebergs flip over in front of our eyes literally saw that and like something you would see out of some kind of infomercial you know um but going down there you know there was it was a bit of a double-edged sword definitely feeling guilty of some of these bigger trips the last few years of your carbon footprint going down there and you know you can um what's the word pay the offset. you can the pay the offset, offset the carbon offset you know which gives you a little bit of peace of mind for some of these bigger trips but it, it was definitely a, a tricky thing to ingest mm-hmm. personally yeah for that but but I think like we I've talked about it on the podcast but I think we've talked about it a lot through POW is that like and like Jeremy says, like, it's not about like doing less and like, I think superfluous, you know, wastefulness is never encouraged. But I think that like the idea of like that personalized guilt, like holding you back from like, like if you were to say like, oh, well, I did this huge trip to the other side of the world. So therefore I am a hypocrite and I can't speak up about this. Like that's so not what it's about. And so hopefully we can still in the future go to Antarctica. We can just do so via renewable energies, which... Exactly, yeah. I don't feel like a hypocrite in that sense. You know, I think everyone needs to travel and see the world to gain these experiences and to gain that bigger perspective of the larger picture in life uh, in order for some of these issues to really hit home. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll definitely still travel and go on big trips here and there, but... You know, like we were talking about with the Sierra being at home, there is so much to explore in the backyard. But, you know, seeing those glaciers and all of those holes holes literally breaking off in front of your eyes was a major wake-up call. For sure. I'm sure. I can't believe it. But I think that, um, yeah, I think that, like what you said, though, is like, you don't have to say like, oh, to care about the environment, you never have to travel because that's how you learn to care about things, right? Like you totally. care about the things you know. Yeah. You know about the things that you like see or engage with. And so. Mm-hmm. And to, to experience, you know, other cultures and areas like on the way down there, you go to the small town Ushuaia mm-hmm. uh, in Argentina that has really awesome terrain. And you just immerse yourselves in in cultures like that, which is why I like to travel in general. And the, you know, the end goal is always sliding down the hill, but it's always everything that leads up to it that makes it memorable. I feel like it's always half like the people or like the experience and the S word part of it. Like if I'm like, okay, what was the best part of that trip? It's like, yeah, maybe that one epic pow day, but really it was like, you know, this if I think back on my trip in Switzerland for the film this year, like we met this school teacher that like taught us how to yodel on top of a mountain. And like, yeah, that's awesome. that was just as cool as any turns I had. I don't know. Just those totally things. He was so good. I didn't know yodeling was like, I would love to learn how to yodel. I think it's like way harder than at least I thought. I thought like, yeah, just like send it. I like no. It. <laughs> no, it's like more. It's like, it's like this time. I'm not going to do it. It's like, you got to expand your diaphragm. Yeah, it's so varied. I don't know. Well, you guys will see it in the movie, I think. I, I feel like that'll make the movie. Awesome. Um, 
Okay, shifting to like your personal life. Uh-huh. You've experienced a really big life change recently. You shaved your huge beard off. Like you have some scruff right now, <laughs> but you had a proper beard. <laughs> yeah, totally. What was that? Why did you shave it? You know, in the... Well, I felt like I was lacking in vitamin D intake for oh. so many years, you know, with your, your face covered up. Yeah. But also in the winter, it's kind of necessary for me, at least, of when you're in the elements of trying not to get so weathered when I'm older of, you know, windburn, sun and everything. Yeah. So if I have a beard covering half my face, it's just less skin that I have to worry about. And it being, like I said, the longest summer of my life, if I have any chance to ha- have a clean slate, that was it. Yeah. So... So you did, but then it's it's gonna you're ready you're already on the path back. It's coming back for yeah. sure. How long had it been since you shaved your beard before? Uh, full shave, a couple of years probably. Yeah. I ask, I ask, I have like dual intentions here because Todd, my boyfriend, has a like beard. a beard. Well, no, I don't want to grow a beard, but my boyfriend has a beard for forever and ever and ever, and he like mm-hmm. never wants to shave it. So maybe yeah. he'll be inspired to get more vitamin D. But he says the yeah. same thing. Like yeah. he like loves it in the winter because it like keeps him warm and. I also, too, I don't like to get too attached to things, like superficial things, like Like facial hair, hair, for example, that'll grow back, you know? And so it's like cleaning out your garage once a year or whatever. You're you're looking at whatever piece of equipment or clothes. You're like, well, I haven't used this in over a year. I can get rid of it. Yeah. And so trying to, you know, mellow out a bit. Where did you think I was going with that question when I started it? I don't know. I feel like you looked a little nervous. You're like, what are you what are you gonna say? Like, how much do you even know about me? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Um, well, okay, so another thing I sort of know about you and maybe like I feel like I've I have like a sense of parts of your personality, even though I don't know you super well, but I know you're really into like crystals. And I have recently like been trying I've been gifted a bunch of crystals re- recently, and so I've been trying to like research and get into it. And when we were up in Shasta, it's a big like crystal spot. So I like, I want you to give me like a one on one or 101. I don't, we are one on one, but a 101 on like crystal. I am not the person for You're that. You're not? No way. I feel like you have <laughs> no. I, I, not gonna lie, I do have a collection of yeah. stones. Yeah. But I don't know anything about them. Well, where do, why do you have, where do they come I'll, from? You know, on certain trips or certain peaks, I'll take a rock from, you know, along the way on on memorable mountains and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so on my nightstand, I definitely have a handful. Mm -hmm. And I keep trying to remind myself of which comes from from where, (laughs) where, because it's definitely blended over the years. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not too much of a connoisseur. Sorry to disappoint you no I thought you were just because you were such an avid like collector yeah you know my mother actually is a jewelry designer and so she works a lot with various stones and whatnot and so when I was younger I think she tried to pass that passion on to me and my brother and I have a crazy collection that uh I actually got at a storage from my folks' house a few years ago and brought it back, and I have it. So you're right there. I do have a collection, but I don't know the meanings of them. Um, I'm I like to make them up of like which one is which. Oh yeah. You know. 
I like that. Like, which one's from where, or what means what? Yeah, what means what, and, like, the healing powers of certain ones. What, you know? uh, what do you make up? Um, you know, certain ones, maybe for, like, a mental stress, and then ones, like, you can rub it on an injured part of your body. Yeah. Um, and I think that just comes with, you know, everything starts in the mind, and if you believe something enough, it's true. I think that that's probably true. Have you ever, like, stopped at any of the, like locations or even like the shops up near Shasta and stuff to try to like it's pretty it's pretty full on up there totally I haven't immersed myself in the Shasta because then there's the whole world. what are the guys it's a rabbit the, hole what are the beings that live in Shasta do you know about this the Lumerians Lumerians right yeah. and they're like terrestrial alien spirits what What's... yeah I you know I've heard the story and I've spent a bunch of time up on Shasta and I'll probably get the details wrong but you know basically i want to say telos telos is the world that is within the portal that's in shasta and there's various portals all around the world mm -hmm. and the people that live there are lumerians and they're like 10 feet tall and like white right uh-huh yeah and if you spend enough time up on shasta you know that weird things happen up there you'll be in you can like feel something for sure and this is like perfectly sunny day and all of a sudden this cloud bank comes in that's just engulfing you know the several hundred feet of the mountain that you're at mm -hmm. and it gets weird up there you for think sure. that they mind us skiing up there i think they're stoked on it yeah for sure if you're up there for the right reasons yeah but you'll bump into some interesting characters there for sure definitely definitely when, when i've gone up there there's like the local characters and then there's all the the just the hikers and the glissaders too and they're always yeah, I don't know like how it's like there in the glissaders, but uh, yeah, they prefer the S worders <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I've I've seen a few portals, like literally random holes down lower on the mountain in the dirt. Really? Yeah, on Shasta. It's fully that like you would think would be you know maybe like some kind of marmot or something, but there's no way. Yeah, but you don't go. I'm a believer. You don't you don't investigate the portals though. No, more just kind of acknowledge that they're there. And yeah, you be respectful moving. of the space. Yeah, you gotta be respectful. I don't. I haven't seen that. I don't know. I mean, I think they're. I think it's possible. I don't know if I know enough to be like a full believer, but I'm like really enthralled by it. Yeah, go go spend a couple days on the mountain, and guarantee you'll see some weird stuff. We were there uh, last October, early season. They still had snow left over, and. There was a little bit of early snowfall, so me and a buddy went up and spent the night halfway up the mountain and didn't sleep because we were just watching UFOs all night. No joke. Like, what did they look like? They would be these crazy red blasts that would, they would, they would pop up, be this like red shining thing, and then it would zip across the sky to another location and then it would just disappear. And then, like, it was kind of central, this location where they were coming up from. What? And then, super crazy, the next day, we went up the mountain and decided to turn around at one point because it was just bulletproof. And my buddy puts his bag down with his snowboard on it, and gust of wind comes, blows it over, and essentially it falls into a crevasse. And we didn't have a rope, and so it was unretrievable. And 
heartbreaker for my buddy because he had to walk down what we had just climbed up but then he went back a week or two later with 60 meter rope and rappelled in there to go get his backpack and board and it was just a flat bottom crevasse he was walking around no sign of it completely gone they took it i don't know whoa that's kind of weird yeah and it's in this one spot on the mountain too that there's been some other strange stories really glenn paulson was up there same spot like right between the east face and the north face and right on the cold air around thirteen thousand feet and he said he was up there and came across like two ice axes just sitting perfectly in the snow no one around someone got zapped up wow Okay, well, now I'm inspired to go back with, like, a different mission. Yeah, go with a different mindset. Yeah. Maybe, like, go with you or something or someone that's maybe, like, I feel like maybe they've, like, accepted that, like, you are, like, a good human. And so, like, they'll reveal themselves more around you. They're not going to zap you. Or maybe they're, like, they're maybe a little more relaxed when you're around. They're letting, like, their, you know travelers come while you're yeah. sleeping it's like anything the mountain has to grant you passage sure of whatever mountain you're on sure whether it's a portal or not huh oh portals wow see crystals led somewhere maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay my next question is two-part question i want to know the best advice you've ever been given and then i also want to know the worst advice you've ever been given oh gosh you can start whichever one you want Okay, um, I need to think about that one. The best advice I've ever been given would be, you know, I, I don't remember a specific instance, but basically around patience. Mm-hmm. Just be patient with whatever it is you're striving for in life. And you put in the time, you put in the work, and you'll be rewarded eventually. And, you know, a lot of times when we're younger, especially you want this instant gratification and for certain people like me, for example, things will take longer to really come to fruition. And if you just keep your heart in it, you know, that eventually leads you to where you want to go. Worst advice. Hmm. That is a tough one. I don't know if there's there's a specific example, but basically the times that I have not listened to my gut instinct, mm. things have gone awry, you know, on various levels, whether it be in the mountains or with girls or I was in Thailand a few years back with a friend and we were walking in this village and, you know, when you're in some of those places around the world, you're told not to eat the produce there because they wash it with the water that's not clean and our stomachs aren't uh, accustomed to that. And we are walking through and my buddy was like, hey, look, there's a salad bar buffet. I don't know about you, but I haven't had a vegetable this whole time. And I was like, yeah, me neither, but okay, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> and so we went to town on this salad bar. No. And literally the last bite, I put my fork down and it was just rumble, like, uh uh-oh. Instant problem. Instant. That like, I don't know. I mean, salad bars are always kind of gross, I feel like. Yeah. They can be. They can be good. For sure. I mean, this one, yeah, I was on like 
the side of a dirt pathway in the middle of the jungle. But it looked... Probably good. Just your stomach probably wasn't... But it took me out for weeks. No. Like, like virus. Um, yeah. That was a bad one. That's yeah. a bad one. Well, that's good. I mean, that's that's also good. That's good advice to follow your gut rather the, than... <laughs> the good advice is don't eat from a salad bar in Thailand. Copy that. That's, that should be like a pretty easy one to stick to. Yeah. I think, I think patience is key too. I am not a naturally patient person. It's like, mm-hmm. su- I have to like try so hard to be patient. Yeah. Especially now in today's world when everything is just so instantaneous, mm-hmm. you know, like being so connected all the time and you send a text message or an email and you want to reply right away. Like, I need to talk to this person. I want them to reply right now, Yeah. you know, and whatever you go rock climbing and you want to able to climb a certain route and you know that takes all summer to work up to yeah and just gaining that physical strength and mental comfort um can really apply to all aspects of life totally i think for me it's about like i think my lack of patience stems from like my desire to control everything Mm -hmm. and like that's also obviously impossible yeah i had this guy come over and fix this light fixture above us the other day he was so awesome just the he goes by Mr. Fix-It. He's been in town forever. One of his kids went to high school with me. And he's fixing my light, and he's just going on and on about, like, something the Dalai Lama wrote one time, and it, like, just talking about, like, you know, if uh, worrying about things you can't control is a waste of time, and worrying about things you can control is a waste of time, and then he's going on and on about how, you know, people think he doesn't care about things because he doesn't worry about things, and, and you're just giving like, me, like, a same, full life lesson. At the same lesson. time, you're saying, just fix the damn light bulb. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, this is, I need, like, a therapist. This is what I need to hear, because he's just yeah. saying that, like, just because he doesn't worry about things doesn't mean he doesn't care about things, and I was just, like, it was so sweet. Like, I was, like... This is, this is great. Like, first of all, my light is fixed, which I'm really psyched about that. But I thought sometimes people like say things, I feel like that, like right when you need to hear them and you're like, okay, got it. Cause I feel like there's so much to worry about right now. Mm-hmm. There's no point. I saw this, uh, interesting pie chart on the internet where, you know, this tiny sliver that was, it was like shit, you know, and then a little bit bigger was shit. You don't know. And then 98% of it was, Things you don't know, you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, right? So, so yeah, the universe has its way of forcing you to take your time sometimes. Yeah, especially especially right now. Um, Something else I want to know is, like, outside of your career and your, you know, those things, like, what what are you working on right now? Are you, I mean, I feel like it's time where, like, we all have a little bit of extra time. And so, like... What are you working on right now? It could be like a house project or like a mental project, phys- something physical. Like, are you working on anything right now? Um, yeah, overall, trying to get more in tune with my body. We were kind of talking about summer training and whatnot that also goes back to that end goal. But of, you know, you know when your body is feeling 100% and you know when it's feeling 80%. And when it could be that extra 20, you know, for me, at least that gets in my head. So just trying to figure out how to fine tune those little details of life. So from the things I eat to my eating schedule and, you know, my morning routine and nightly routine, it's 
a constant work in progress. What are like the top few things that are like working at the moment? Um, uh, so in the morning, I'd say not looking at my phone right away and giving some time for that. Um, chugging water, brushing my teeth right away, say, greet the dogs. Yeah. And then I have this little thing, this chi machine. It's called, the like brand name is the Healthy Swinger. And basically you lay down and you put your ankles in these little cuffs and it moves side to side. And it helps me just wake the body up. So I do that. That's like 15 minutes there. And then, uh, and then I just start binge drinking coffee for the rest of the morning. <laughs> I try to make it so that I don't look at my phone until after I have coffee. Yeah. Because like I wake up, I do the same thing. I have a glass of water. I chug a glass of water like before I basically like get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I do Bill Snuggles with the yeah. dog. Yeah. I, for me, I make my bed. Mm. I make my bed the second I get out of it. And I like love making a perfect bed. So it's I'm working like, on that. It's like one thing I can do in the morning that I can just make exactly how I want it. You know, mm-hmm. then I can go on for the rest of the day where nothing's going to be probably how I want it. And then I don't look at my phone until I'm done making coffee, which I usually do like pour over or AeroPress. So it like takes a sec. So like, I, think, yeah. I feel like usually I get like 30 minutes into my day without looking at my phone, which isn't a very big accomplishment, but it's, I try not to like first flick thing, it open first when thing. You, I don't know if you're setting an alarm and then you look at whatever notifications that have popped up. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. I'm guilty been, of it, for sure. I have been this, like, the, like, over the last month with all the smoke we've had, I've been opening my phone and checking the smoke meter first thing in the morning just to, like, yeah. know how bad it's going to be. Yeah, same. Like, it's been hard. Smoke, speaking of, like, not being 100% with your body, like, the smoke has been. Mm-hmm. But that's not something me, like, I expect myself to be able to, like, accomplish everything perfect every day and then I realized like oh like you know this workout was super hard what was going on da, da, da. and it's like oh it's the smoke or it's whatever and like just being like I have to work on being like forgiving of myself for like not being on it every single day totally yeah you can't be firing all the time I mean I would like to be but I would like to be too <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows the secret to that let me know yeah I feel like it's never long lived whatever the secret is to be firing on all cylinders all the time yeah, summertime too is rough for me and probably a lot of winter enthusiasts, you know, feel a little lost from time to time. But I feel like I'm the kind of person though, like I don't think I would enjoy winter as much without summer. Like mm-hmm. I love my summer stuff. I love yeah, getting my bronze on, I love surfing, the water, biking, hiking. Like yeah, I love you stay doing pretty active with all activities. the summer stuff and camping and you know, usually oh, dinner I'm, parties and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I definitely love me some summer camping. Yeah, this was the summer of camping in my life. Mm-hmm. Like so much camping. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. Oh my gosh, Bill and I had quite the scare camping this summer. Can I tell a story uh, on my podcast? Yeah, let's hear it. We got jumped on by a bear in our tent. Literally. Literally. So we were at a campground over on the West Shore in Lake Tahoe, which is a very berry place. Um, and I was with some friends that have a bunch of kids, so campground life is the way because it's uh-huh. not usually the way I camp, but yeah, user-friendly. It's user-friendly. It's got nice. a lot of kids love campgrounds. Yeah. Cause they do their strider bikes around them. I love and campgrounds. like, yeah, you got a bathroom fire pit. Totally. So, and this was like one of the few nights of the summer where we didn't have Todd. It was just Bill and I in the tent and 
we woke up to like something hitting our tent and like collapsing the side of it and it was a full moon and I didn't have the fly on because it was warm so I could see it was a bear and he had grabbed a Tommy Bahama chair from the fire circle because somebody had left their snacks in like the cooler compartment and so he like hit our tent with a Tommy Bahama chair and then he was going like trying to get into it "Mm," yeah which he he ended up doing but what was crazy is like I kind of brought Bill who's a poodle it's like like a layer of safety like alone in a tent you know like I'm Fairly brave person, but it's still like nice to have yeah. someone in there with you. And everybody else was in campers. Um, Bill barked once, like because we both like he didn't wake he up. Was freaked out. He didn't wake up when like obviously Mr. Bear was like scrounging around for a while. Like we didn't wake up till he like hit us. And like I, my first reaction was like drunk person, so I was like, "What the f?" You know. And then I was like, "Oh gosh, Bear." Bill does one bark, and then he comes and sits in my lap and just shakes for like the whole time. And the bears like you know, basically as close as we are right now, tearing up this Tommy Bahama chair, finding these like peanut butter pretzels and just going bonkers. I'm clapping and yelling and flashing my headlamp and trying to get my phone to make like alarm noises. And Mr. Bear does not care. And Bill, I'm like, Bill, dark. Do do something. And he was just shaking. And at one point I like poked him. I was was like, come on, like bark. And he growled. And then the bear growled back at us. And I was like, okay, don't love that. Don't love that. I have no idea what that means. Um, and then, yeah, anyways, like, not, it, Bill just sat there shaking and Bear tore through the Dami Bahama chair, like, circled the tent a little bit, like, scrounged for more food and, like, eventually left after, like, 20 and minutes. And did you like, have food in your tent that you no, were worried no, no, about? No, no, no. I didn't have food. In my, I Honestly, like, I wasn't that worried. It's just, like, yeah. still, like, a really big animal. And you realize, like, I didn't want to get out of the tent because I kind of didn't want to, like, separate from Bill. Because, yeah. like, it was more worried about, like, Bill's safety kind of. Uh-huh. But then you're like, I'm just in like a tent sitting next to like a huge in animal. In some thin mesh just watching this bear go to and town. And it was fine. And I knew he didn't like want anything with me. And um, like it, it all blew over. And then afterwards, Bill like crawled under the covers and like curled up in a little ball on my chest and like slept there all night. And I was just like, like Phew, that was crazy, huh? so much for the dog safety. And there, there was like a bear paw print on my tent and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had a... It's not as close a call, but um, was going out in, in the mountains in desolation and for a few nights and the first night. Woke up the next morning and my little bag that I had hanging from a tree, I just see it sort of flapping and I had some good food too. Oh. Like I had hummus, avocado, some salmon and the bear. I don't know if... How if high my, up was it? It was high enough. Yeah. I think. Well, clearly not though. Maybe, but it was fully loaded, my stuff sack. So I don't know if it just literally burst and then the bear treated itself to a full smorgasbord Mm. or if he got it. Mm. But that was a bit of a heartbreaker. And then I went and bought a bear canister, bear can the next day. Yeah. I think you kind of have to because we we do the same thing. We (coughs) We hang our food in trees and we're always just like... But the thing with the hanging in the trees is sometimes we have problems with other critters other than right. bears too, which is like just as much of a bummer. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, when in doubt, just get a bear proof can. That's yeah. kind of the best thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. I have one last question that we do on every episode of the podcast. I ask my guests to tell me, tell us two highs and one low of the last year of your life. And it can be anything, just anything that comes to mind, but not about the S word. Okay. Two highs, I would say. I have been climbing more than I ever have in my life this summer. 
which has been really, really fun. Yeah. Um, another high, I'd say maybe going back to the winter would be standing on top of the Grand Teton. It's kind of S-word related. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Was that I mean, your just first standing time? up there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, first time. And I, you know, you just look at that mountain anytime you're in Jackson. And so that was a really cool. Yeah. Cool one to check off. Um, and some lows, I would say, man, we had a, we had a close call in the backcountry early in December. Yeah, that was a pretty frightening that. experience, but you know, that kind of ended up turning into a high, uh, once, you know, everything was all good. Mm-hmm. And then another low I, I would just say you only have to do one low but yeah well you said two highs two lows one low oh i might low. have misspoke but oh, okay you can give another one though covid's been a low yeah COVID. i mean that's like the obvious low get out of here COVID. <laughs> yeah yep yeah. that would be a good low no but did you didn't you do like a post about your backcountry accident yeah on your instagram yeah if anybody is like curious read it because i think like yeah, the more can... we share about those things the better totally yeah, we could talk about that in another setting, so yeah. considering this isn't about uh, backcountry safety. Yeah. But um, yeah, I got to go a little bit more in depth in the slideshow that I gave for the Eastern Sierra Avalanche Center this mm. past January. Mm. But um, yeah, just a reminder that you got to stay on your toes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a good reminder for everybody going into a season that might be more backcountry focused yeah. to pay attention, get educated all that stuff. Definitely. Um, sweet. Well, then the last thing we do on the podcast is if you brought a story you want to tell us that's non S word related. I mean, I feel like you told me some good stories. Yeah. Bear stories, salad bar stories. (laughs) (laughs) I know you told me that and I am so bad about doing my homework (laughs) before showing up to the test. Um, (laughs) I, I did think of one thing. Um, it was a trip down to Mexico. If, this was a while ago, maybe 2013 or so. And me and my one of my good friends, Wyatt, we were in Alaska for a month. And he had just gotten hurt. And so we decided to go down to Mexico and hang out by the beach and just relax before going back and trying to get fishing jobs for this summer. <laughs> And so we went down there just on a whim, and he was like, hey, I want to go to this place, Puerto Escondido. I hear it's awesome. And I'm like, cool, I don't know anything about it. I'm like, where is it? He's like, oh, it's in Oaxaca, like the state. And so we, you know, just knowing nothing about Mexico or traveling there, we just flew to Mexico City. We rented a car. We had his girlfriend at the time, uh, this cute little blonde girl, who was driving, we're driving out of Mexico City, and we're in dead stop traffic, and, you know, sure enough, kind of cop rolls up and hassles us, like, spots hurt from a million miles away, and, you know, the whole kind of Mexico shakedown. Shakedown, yeah. And make it through, and we pay him however much, and then we're driving through, we're following this map that they gave us at the rent-a-car place that is... And a map of the entire country of Mexico, so it's super detailed. I'm super sure. detailed, <laughs> very to scale. And you know, we find ourselves on this bumpy dirt road in the middle of the night, kind of driving through this village. 
in this town and we're like kind of bordering the, the highway. We're looking at it, but we don't know how to get back on it. And whatever happens, it's like eight hours of this middle of the night. Yeah. And I fall asleep finally in the back of the car and wake up to like, like, oh, what's up? He's like, oh, we got a flat tire. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. And literally 30 seconds later, two bright headlights are behind us. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And I was still, you know, fairly young. And you hear these stories of traveling through Mexico at night and whatever. And this trucker pulls up and another trucker pulls up coming the opposite way. And so we're like kind of in between these two guys. And I'm like, "Uh oh, like what's going on here? And this guy pops out and my buddy Wyatt, who doesn't speak any Spanish, he starts speaking Spanglish gibberish and the trucker ends up being super friendly, fixes our flat tire in 45 seconds, like NASCAR, NASCAR pit crew speed. <laughs> and like, you know, looking at, at the at my watch, I'm like, oh, weird, it's 420 and, you know, April 20th. And the, the guy's like, Hey, uh, you guys smoke? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's 420. Sure, why not? Yeah. And so he's like, ah, oh, vamos. And we go to his 18-wheeler truck, and he goes into the woods, and he breaks off a big uh, branch. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then he, starts, he goes underneath his truck, and he starts banging on this pipe. And I'm like, I have no idea what's happening right now. And the pipe breaks loose. And then he pulls out this little baggie from the pipe, and he's like, ah, and we're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. He's like, vamos, and then we go into his little truck dojo, and it's just full decorated out with these, like, crazy lights, pictures of Jesus, and, like, little, little like, bobblehead Jesus, you know, <laughs> and he's like, ah, tienes papeles? And I'm like, ah, like, you have papers? And I'm like, no, no papers. And he's like, ah, no problemo. And he like, goes and he grabs this notepad that he has, and, you know, the kind of, like, lined paper that's, like, a quarter inch thick and just rips it off and, anywho, rolls a little doobie and... <laughs> out of and his notebook paper. Out of this notebook paper. And he's like, ah, oh, uh, where are you going? And we're like, ah, oh, Puerto Escondido. And, and he's like, ah, oh, my home. Like, vamos, follow me. And so we follow this trucker, full escort, through the middle of the night, through, like, the Mexican countryside in Oaxaca. And we're pulling over as the sun's coming up, and he's kind of pointing out. He's like, oh, yeah, so the cartel's on over there, and they own this hillside, and that cartel owns that hillside. And we're like, oh, that's pretty crazy. And then we're, like, pulling into these little villages, and this woman's making handmade bread for us and coffee, and just full direct line straight to the beach. We pull into the beach at... Seven in the morning after driving for fifteen hours straight, and oh my gosh, laid in the sand and took a nap. <laughs> that was uh, that's amazing. Four twenty in Mexico. That is not the normal like driving in Oaxaca story that I thought you were gonna tell. <laughs> we got super lucky, and and you know that just most places that you travel to, people are genuinely super friendly that and want to help you no matter that who you true. are. That is true. I know you hear the horror stories. We actually heard some other stories on this podcast about travel mishaps in Mexico, and they've been all stories that have gone the way that you expect a travel story to go in Mexico. And so, yeah. nice, nice change of pace. Yeah, it's a happy I like ending. it. It's uplifting. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, sweet. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank kicking you. off season five with me. And uh, for people that want to keep following you, where can they find you? They can find me. 
uh, on Instagram, um, Nick underscore Russell with three L's. Three L's. Yep. Okay. Or, that's, uh, that's the difference. Out here around Lake Tahoe this year in Nevada. Yeah, totally. And everybody will see you in future ref- retro. Yeah. Hearing online, which yes, will be I a fun new experience. Yeah. So, Thanks, yeah. Amy. Yeah, thanks for being here. Of course, I'm Amy Ski on Insta. You guys can follow me there. And we will catch you next time on Long Underwear. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. A typical powder day in Colorado brings snow quality that is 15 to 1, or 15 inches of snow to 1 inch of liquid. And this quality will give you some face shots. Now, if you get snow that's 20 to 1, that's blower, and you'll likely be in the white room for your whole run. If you want to learn more about how and where to find the best snow, go to opensnow.com or download the OpenSnow app for Android or iPhone. Skiing and riding is wrapped up in memories. Memories that inspire me to push myself, like skiing the Palisades with my dad for the first time at age six. And memories that have taught me how to overcome fear and learn from past mistakes, like getting buried in an avalanche in Utah. Do you have a mountain memory that sticks with you? Well, we want to hear it. The good, the bad, the hilarious, the regretful, and the impactful. Leave us a voice message at 970-510-0451 and share your memories with us. We will be airing a memories episode at the end of the season with all your incredible voices. Please keep in mind the voice memos with poor sound quality, language, or over one minute in length will not be considered. Feel free to share your name and where you're from or leave it anonymous. Go ahead, drop us a line. This podcast is a Warren Miller Entertainment production and is presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Inkerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team.